to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. And I started following this Instagram channel that's like all these hacks you can do for mm-hmm. different things. And there's a lot of plant stuff on there. Like you, um, there's all these, he's talking about how you can regrow stuff from the store, like take the seeds out and how you regrow. But one of the things he did is like, he keeps all of his banana peels mm-hmm. and he puts them in hot water for like an hour, like steeps it like a tea. And then he uses that to water his indoor plants or any of the plants. And he's like, huh. there's a ton of minerals. So it's all kinds of that kind of stuff. That's yeah, cool. that's like, Man, cool. this is genius like yeah. this is probably where the podcast should start <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like the whole conversation man uh i remembered i know that now you wish you segue out of it but i want to do one more story uh <laughs> hannah told me a story of this of this family that so uh, disgusting. she she was the woman type of woman who was breastfeeding until her kids were like three four or five years old disgusting. and so they had also had another kid in the midst of still breastfeeding this other child and they were talking about she just she makes a lot of she produces a lot of milk and they, in so doing, like, they're having to stash a whole bunch because they're having, she's having to pump and all those things. And so they started to get creative with how to use it. So they have breast milk ice cream. They've got breast milk, like, toppings for certain things. I guess, like, it's probably not that bad. So, so like, and the husband turns, so I, I heard, I didn't remember exactly what he said. He turned to the doctor and says, I just get it straight from the tap. <laughs> <laughs> So what are we talking about today? On that note, let's go to the PCC, everybody. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Welcome to Pierce's Culture Corner. Uh, This is how they do the animal kingdom. Yeah, this is how they do the animal kingdom, straight from the top. Uh, We've already lost our audience for the rest of the time. They're done. They're done with this. Uh, Welcome to Pierce's Culture Corner, everybody. Uh, So today is July 4th. Happy Independence Day. Happy America. Yay, America, right? So I actually wanted to take today's culture corner because we um, may be at church or small groups or just conversations about church culture. We don't shy away from, um, be, are we, we, we aren't afraid to be vocal that the Sunday before or the Sunday that falls on July 4th is not for America. We are to gather together. We're gathering together to worship the Lord. Like we're not gathering together to, to worship our country. Go have a picnic, go shoot off fireworks, go do all those things. But when we gather together as the people of God, Let's let's worship Christ. Let's don't worship America, essentially, right? So I know that all of us have been at different churches at different times, and we've seen the different things that churches do. So I just wanted to open up the floor to share oh, gosh. Sto- stories about July Fourth. And while uh, while you guys are thinking of stuff you may have seen at a church, um, I'll share one story. So we summer of two thousand eleven. I was going up to Cornerstone Festival in Illinois. We we had signed up to play a few days of that festival. And so we were traveling up there with another band. And on the way there, I think it started July 6th or something like that. And on the way there, July 5th, because it was a July 4th on a Sunday. We were traveling with this band and they were like, you know what? Let's all like, we, we, we're off, we're from different towns. We don't have opportunities to, to worship together. And we'd love to just go, let's go to church together. Let's learn about the Lord again. And let's, and let's. Uh, let's start off this festival right. The right mindset, like that's we're going in for ministry purposes. Let's just go worship today. <laughs> and then we get we get to this enormous church. We just typed in churches, and like there's the top five of results. The one that was closest to our hotel ended up being this massive church, this huge church. Where is and this? And we uh, it was 
I believe we were on the other side of St. Louis. And so it might've been like a suburb of St. Louis, like on the other side. Um, and they, we walk in and this, this auditorium is massive and all the way around, everything is American flags. And I was like, what's going on? Then my buddy behind me was like, Hey, it's July 4th, man. I was like, Oh no. And no joke. 100% of the, of the, sir, of the entire service was everything America, everything America. So we only sing American songs. Like the first song was, Oh, say, do you, can you, or no, that that's the, that's the anthem. What's the one? Oh, Amber Wild fields of grain, whatever song that is. America, America the beautiful. The beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That was the opening song. And then like, as that one closed out, they had a PowerPoint that like you could on the different screens, there's two jet fighter pilots that came in and like, were shooting on, not actually in there, but on the screen. So a video of jet fighter pilots going around the room. And then after that, after the jets had finished their round, the lights came up and they went through every single branch of the military and everybody stood up and we applauded them. And then we went back into another song about America. And then he got up and preached for 10 minutes about how America is the best country in the world. And we didn't hear the name Jesus once and like all of us left and we were like, not only were we disappointed because we, we, we went in there with the intention of wanting to worship together and, and dive into the word together and have something we can kind of continue talking about. Uh, one of the guys was like, I haven't been to a Bible study in a long time. Let's take what he preaches about and like, let's <laughs> continue a Bible study afterward. He was like, I just want to talk more when we leave. I don't want church to end at church. And then we left and I was like, so what do you want to talk about at lunch? Man? He's like, like, no. he was like, let's just pick a chapter of the Bible and just talk <laughs> about it. Like, what are we doing? Uh, so that was the most... I feel like I've seen every, I saw every stereotype that day all in the same service, but it was just nonstop and I was flabbergasted. I was blown away. Uh, I bet you guys have more, I guess you guys yeah, have more stories about what you may have heard or seen. Or I, I was uh, 25 and I was doing Shine Out Revivals through the BGCT um, and we were, I don't remember which church we were at that coincided with the 4th of July, but one of the one of the deacons of the church got up to pray. I was going to be preaching in just a few minutes, and he got up to pray. And I I guess he was like a history teacher at one of the schools, local schools or something. And he gets up and he goes and he puts on this kind of like booming voice. And then I don't know what battle it was that he described, mm-hmm. um, but I think the movie The Patriot had recently come out as well. And so he in his prayer is describing these these battle scenes of of like you know, um, all these different wars <laughs> and, and he's like, uh, he's like, and, and remember Lord, they couldn't fire until they saw the whites of their eyes and they were coming up the hill and they were outnumbered. And he's like, going, this is his prayer. And, and we just thank you for the liberty that we have in that. And like went through this whole history lesson in his prayer. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where, cause I had two teammates with me and I could hear them kind of like, <laughs> Like, like, you know, and I was like, don't look over at them. Don't look over at them. Cause I'm going to lose it. And like, yeah. we, and we, I ended up having to fake cough to cover because I was just like, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's giving me a history lesson. And I just thought, man, that's so strange. I got two, two Good. stories. First one is I used to be at a church where they still did special music. Mm-hmm. And there was a lady who sang, I feel like every year for the July 4th Sunday, and not only was it a song about America, but it was like really, really bad. And, but it was one of those things where like whoever was putting the special music together, like, I don't know if they just felt bad for them or like what anyways, but it was like every year you're just like dreading it. It's kind of like when someone got up to sing Mary, did you know? Yeah. 
used to be this guy named Gary who would sing it every year at College Hills. And so my brother and sister and I started singing, Gary, did you know? But anyways, the first story is that lady would just sing these awful songs. And yeah. Not just awful songs, but she was awful. Lee, Second, Gr- Lee Greenwood, proud to be an American. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Second story is way worse. Um, when I was back, back when I was in a band in college, we played at this event I think it was around July Fourth. It was it was in the summer, so some sometime around then. But um, the pastor of this this church um, gets up to pray after we had played a couple songs. He wanted to pray, and as he's praying, this is this is when George Bush Jr. was president. So as he's praying in the middle of his prayer, and he goes, "And George Bush, we thank you for," and he starts like praying, praying to, George. to George Bush. Whoa, whoa! And I was like, "What in the world?" I look at the other guys like, like. We got to go. Or so if like, I had been is, preaching yeah. that day, I would have said something. There was nobody yeah. preaching. No, no. Just, I mean, it was just, just they banned. just they just had yeah. Just some, it was like that is so dumb. It was just like oh my gosh, it was it was awful. Thank you, George Golly. Bush. Thank you, George Bush. Sorry, one, more, one more story. <laughs> yeah, yes. When I was leading worship, <laughs> I had a lady come up to me one time. I was this is so long ago that I was having to manually type in lyrics to PowerPoint, mm-hmm. like actual PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, on a laptop, and we'd have this giant VGA cable, this long VGA cable that go up to a projector up on stage. Anyway, so I'm typing PowerPoint in one Sunday morning. This lady comes in and goes, hey, why do we not sing patriotic songs on Sundays? Mm-hmm. Like the July 4th Sunday. And I'm like, because we're here to worship Jesus and not our country. She goes, well, the songs worship Jesus too. And I was like, <laughs> which ones? She goes, well, they all do. I was like, okay, I'll make you a deal. I literally said it almost verbatim. I'll make you a deal. I was like, there's a bunch of those songs in the hymnal still in the pew. I was like, if you go through the hymnal right now, Look through those songs. Show me a song that worships God and not our country, and I will change the set list and sing it today. Mm-hmm. And so she sits down, goes through the hymnal for like ten minutes or so, shuts the hymnal and walks out. And she hated me for the rest of the, <laughs> until she died. And I praised Jesus the day she died. Like, ouch! I've said that before on this podcast. Like, the day Charlene died was like the greatest, one of the greatest oh, things. It's like it was literally one of those people. I'm like, God, please just take her home. And everybody else know who knows her. They're like, I would totally get you, Mike. Everybody else is like, that's awful. You've never met her. Like, this is <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she was a believer supposedly. So like, God, just. Yeah, you you take her and deal with her. Like, can you be done with this lady? This no joke. She put locks on her thermostats in her house so her husband couldn't adjust the temperature. Wow. I could go on. Like the bane of my existence. She held at one of our budget meetings at College Hills, and I was leading worship there. She stood up in front of everybody and said, "Uh, Mike is making too much money to work three hours a week." Ooh. Like it's that kind of so. Anyways, yeah, you probably get it, were. You get it now. That's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true. How much were you making? Uh, Let us decide. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. There we go. Uh, so yeah, it's not ju- enough it's, to buy Dr Pepper. That's for sure. Right. It's July Fourth. Be thankful for our country. Sure. Be be happy of where you where you know we my live? favorite July Fourth sure. tradition. Mm-hmm. We eat Filipino barbecue on July Fourth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice. <laughs> Truly a melting Which pot. Which is man. actually, I think, the celebration yeah. of that. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Dope. So be happy. Celebrate our country, but. Don't elevate country over God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ryan, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the idea of cessationism, this idea that certain spiritual gifts have passed into oblivion and exist no more like... They have ceased, hence the word cessationism. Uh, So the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of apostleship. Haven't those gifts gone away? (laughs) <laughs> Wait, well, actually, Pierce, <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> for a moment, I was genuinely confused. I was like, 
<laughs> no, we're, we're actually about to Ooh, talk about that. <laughs> That's how you should respond every week. Dude, come on. Did you, not get, did you not get the topic did, today? did you not hear what I just said? I literally just said we're talking about these gifts. <laughs> well, actually, Pierce. Uh, <laughs> the act is up. Yeah. Ah, oh, darn. Three years right. and two months. We, we were like, wait a minute. They script the questions? <laughs> what? It's the only part that's scripted. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. There are a lot of people. So uh, I forget what they're called. It's secessionism versus continuing continuists or something like that. Mm is is the debate uh and there are a lot of people on both sides of this and there are people on both sides of this that we would agree with and there are people on both sides of this that we would disagree with because there are some some really godly people who don't believe the gifts exist anymore and and we would disagree with them and and we would like 99% of everything else they teach and say and then there are people, it just depends. It's like, I think there are really godly people on both sides of this argument. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to start there. We, we do not believe at the 456 that these gifts have ceased. It's interesting um, that there are two primary arguments given uh, for why they have ceased. I think one is a misunderstanding of the scripture. Uh, and it's, it's First Corinthians thirteen, and he says um, in First Corinthians thirteen eight, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are gifts of tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And and so what's interesting is there are a handful of people. There's a there's a group of cessationists, people who believe that these spiritual gifts have passed away. And they say, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And in their mind, and we talked about this when we talked about spiritual gifts before, but in their, in their mind, that is when the Bible was, was produced, when the Bible came to a completion that those gifts would be done away with. There's a couple of problems with that. To this date, people still don't universally agree on what should and shouldn't be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that most of us who go to church, we accept that there are 66 books and most of us can walk into any other church in the United States and have that same kind of discussion, but it's not a universal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for the first 500 years of the church, there was pretty great debate about what existed in in terms of, of that. Now, what's interesting, I did a little research, uh, not a lot, so come at me with other things because I'm interested in the conversation for sure. But what I found is that most people don't make that argument there. Most people who are cessationists believe that this means the return of Christ, that these things will be done away with, with the return of Christ. And it's interesting because there are some people who are calling themselves cessationists. They don't believe that these gifts exist anymore in the same way that the Bible does. So they'll say, they'll say something like, I don't believe an individual has the gift of healing, but I believe that God still heals. And that a group of people can gather around somebody and pray for healing and that God will still heal. It's kind of a dumb statement. Yeah. yeah, It's God still as if there are things about God that will cease to exist. Like that's just, that's a different God. Yeah. God doesn't change. He's unchanging. Right. And so their argument is that because God was always capable of healing, he always, he continues to heal. He just doesn't, there's not people who are specifically gifted with the gift of healing. It's just interesting that you like you can confuse the conversation about God and who God is and the spiritual gifts yeah. that's not in the text. It's just a weird way to say yeah, it. Yeah, it is a weird way to say it. And so um, in the same way that they would argue, they say that the gift of prophecy as it existed in the Bible doesn't exist anymore, but that prophecy in the extent of preaching still exists. And and so 
um, there's a, there's some nuance. I just don't know why those have to be mutually exclusive. I know it's yeah. super interesting because, uh, and so one of the things that I found in common amongst everybody. So so First Corinthians thirteen isn't the best argument for these gifts to have ceased. And most people that I was reading, that's not the basis for their reason to believe that it has ceased. Gotcha. Most people start from the perspective of they believe the gift of apostleship has ceased. And so they believe that there are no more apostles in the lines of Peter, James, John, Paul, Barnabas, um, Apollos, some of these other people who are called apostles in the scripture. What's super interesting is, at least in one case, and this was only one case, uh, in, in Paul talking about the resurrected Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, he says he appeared to Peter and he appeared to the rest of the, the, the 11, and then he appeared to 500 others, and then he appeared to me, an, one who is untimely born. And, and the text says, um, to me, the very least of all the saints or all the apostles was given. And so, so somebody, somebody said, quoted that as Paul saying he was the last apostle. And so their argument is that Paul was the last apostle, which I think you would really struggle with because I'm fairly certain that he refers to Apollos as an apostle and Apollos comes way after Paul, like a couple of decades after Paul uh, starts his ministry. And, and so, that, but their argument is the apostles had the gift of prophecy and healings and the apostles, based on Paul's own writing, had the gift of tongues because we see that in Acts 2 with the first uh, 12, including Matthias. And then we see that with Paul later. And then they say, because the gift of apostleship has ceased, these gifts have ceased as well. So their, their foundation is not that these gifts have ceased and then working backwards. Their foundation is since the gift of apostleship no longer exists, these gifts don't exist anymore. They would have a stronger hmm. argument. It wouldn't be good, but they'd have a stronger argument for 1 Corinthians 13 than what, that, what you just yeah, explained. It, it's yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. And, and so one of the arguments that was also universal in everybody that I read um, was Acts, sorry, Ephesians 2.20. So let me back up a little bit uh, to Ephesians 2.17. It says, and he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, that's Gentiles and Jews. For through him, Christ, we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you being Gentiles in this text, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and of God's household, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple for the Lord. And, and so the argument is that the, the foundation of the church is built on the apostles and the prophets and everybody, like no one argues here that the, the prophets are Old Testament prophets, which is super weird to me. They argue that it's New Testament prophets. So that the church is built on the foundation of the first century apostles and those who were in the first century as prophets. Um, so there's a couple of things. And, and they say, since they already laid the foundation, we don't need the apostles and the prophets anymore. So those have been done away with. That's their whole argument. Hmm. The, the problem that I have with that argument is that in the book of Ephesians, uh, he is dealing with he is dealing with Jews and Gentiles as two different groups of people, 
And he is saying that the Jews in chapter one, he says that the Jews as a people of God were predestined according to the apostles, according to the prophets, according to this teachings that happened beforehand, they were predestined to be the people of God. And you also Gentiles, when you Mm -hmm. believe were brought into faith. And it says, we being the Jews were dead in our trespasses and sins, just as you also were dead in your trespasses and sins, but we've both been saved now through Christ. And then in chapter two, you Gentiles, the uncircumcision who were far away from God have been brought near to God. And we who were near to God, and the, and the context here, if you compare it to what he says in, in Romans, what brought the Jews near to God, what, what made the Jews near to God, quote unquote, was the apostle, sorry, was the prophets and the law of Moses and the Psalms. These yeah. were the things that gave them insight to that. So it's weird to me that their assumption from verse 20 is that the apostles and the prophets are both New Testament references. I would argue because these first century apostles are proving from the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, their scriptures, that yeah. Jesus is the, is the Christ. When he says in verse 19, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Yeah. Which is... Which was built on these w- things. Which is potentially a different like way of saying that. So like, anyways, I think that the reason he uses household is why he uses cornerstone. You know right. what I mean? Like he's exactly. describing it in a different context. Like you used to be far off. Now you've been brought into this structure we call the household of God that is right. built on the cornerstone Jesus. And it's been, the foundation has been laid yeah. by the apostles and prophets. So yeah, I, I don't, it's what's weird to me. Here's what it feels like. It feels like someone has an idea of what they want it to be. And then they're looking for Texas. Exactly. Support the idea. Yeah, exactly. It's so strange that most of the articles that I read start from disqualifying or they start from the perspective of the foundation of the church has clearly already been laid. And so that means we don't need apostles and prophets Mm. anymore. Ergo, we have no need for gifts of healing or miracles or tongues. I believe I didn't do any research on this. I should have, I apologize for this, but I believe cessationism is a fairly new idea. Well, it depends. So several people, here's the other thing. People quoted like Augustine and people quoted, uh, Luther and people quoted, um, uh, not Wigglesworth, somebody else. Who was it? Uh, Wesley? No, it wasn't Wesley. Anyway, it'll come to me. Mm-hmm. But they, they said, look, all these other people said that it was it ceased too, which is such an interesting argument did because it, it's a weak argument. Um, oh, and L- did I say Luther? Uh, Luther was one of them. Yeah, Calvin. And, mm-hmm. and so what they do is they say, 20 other guys said that it ceased, so it ceased. Mm-hmm. And, and that is never a great argument for anything. Like if, yeah. again, I said this, uh, I, like before, maybe in, in last week's podcast, but like if, if tradition, yeah, when we were talking about the Lord's Supper, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Tradition's fine, but if tradition isn't based on something in the scripture, then that's problematic. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things or that- at least isn't contrary to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like general tradition, True. like, yeah. hey, we do, a, we do a July 4th picnic every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, church. sorry. So if we're going to say that Christian theology, Christian doctrine is- shaped by tradition, you need to be able to say that that tradition is rooted in something of scripture. Yeah. Yes. So one of the things that one of the guys said is he goes, look, here's this list of all the gifts in the scripture and, and and he has it written out. And so, uh, first Corinthians, um, 12, eight through 10 and first Corinthians 12, 28 through 30, which he makes as two different lists, which is super funny because it's in one chapter with one context, but he goes, he says, look, he goes, there are seven different lists in the Bible. And it's funny to me that he breaks up 
the beginning of First Corinthians twelve from the end of First Corinthians twelve when there's no con- difference in context. Yeah. So utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, works of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, types of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Later in the chapter, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helps, administering types of tongues and interpretations of tongues. And then he mentions them again in First Corinthians thirteen: tongues, prophecy, knowledge, and faith. Still again in First Corinthians thirteen: prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. And then in Romans 12, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generous contributions, leading, and mercy. By the way, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 14, which they weirdly don't include in this, Mm. are all is all one conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not four different lists. It's one conversation. And then Romans 12, uh, six through eight, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, uh, giving, leading, and mercy. Ephesians 4.11. Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and then First Peter, which is a debatable right, and then First Peter four, speaking and serving. So his point, and this is the way he's mapped it out. His point is, you'll notice that the miraculous gifts existed in the beginning of these lists, but don't exist in the ends of these gifts. When they're mentioned later in the Bible, those those gifts aren't there. Wait, wait, he put <laughs> Ephesians four in that list later. Yeah, yeah, after Romans, before First <laughs> Peter. And it's apostles and prophets. Yeah. But but he, yeah. So prophets are there. I know it's super weird. It's not consistent. It's, it's you have to come into that with a filter already put on I it. I know, like, exactly. So these prophets, I would be, I would be so frustrated prophets and apostles are done away with. One of the other things that he says, um, he, he says this, this is the weakest of all the arguments that I read, but he says, Paul doesn't mention any spiritual gifts to Timothy or Titus when discussing church matters. So because Paul doesn't mention it, now, at this point, Paul's been doing ministry for, what, two decades yeah. more? You know? Like, Paul and Timothy have traveled together a lot. Mm-hmm. And Paul's instruction to Timothy and to Titus both are dealing with very specific circumstances that are happening in the churches that they're in. Yeah. Like... And these aren't meant to be all-inclusive letters. Right. Yeah. It's um, like I'm telling you about yeah, this but, specific but listen, situation. Listen to this. <laughs> Paul doesn't mention any spiritual gifts to. to Timothy or Titus when discussing church matters. The reason for this is the miraculous gifts weren't even something to talk about at the time. Uh, <laughs> and and he, he goes on to say, uh, God did many miracles through Paul at the beginning of his ministry, but Paul couldn't do any miracles at the end of his ministry. For example, at first, Paul could heal an entire island of people, talking about the island of Malta when the ship crashes mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And he says, but later, he couldn't even heal Timothy's stomachache. And he references Paul saying, <laughs> he, he references wait, Paul wait, saying, wait, 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 wait. Paul couldn't heal it. So he says, since I can't do it, let the wine do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Okay. You got to stop reading. I can't handle this. No, no, no. Hold on. It gets better. It gets better. Uh, and he says, at first, Paul was able to raise the dead, but later he couldn't even raise Trophimus from a sickbed, 2 Timothy 4.20, and he couldn't heal Epaphroditus, who was sick in Philippians 2.26. And, and so what's funny to me is you'd have to make the same argument about the people that, uh, that Jesus didn't heal. Like, yep. everybody yeah. who came to him got healing, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end, uh, like, there were certainly people in Israel who didn't get healed. Yeah. Like when, when he came through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, it was, it was Zacchaeus alone who, who got saved mm-hmm. and, and, and spiritual healing is of greater importance, certainly yeah. than physical healing. So you'd have to argue, well, Jesus couldn't do any more than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, he just and drained his power dry that day. And where's the argument that for the, for like, uh, Corain and Bethesda or whatever, where he says like, because of their lack of faith, mm-hmm. he didn't do many miracles there. 
Like where, where does that figure into the equation? Right. You know, it's so like suddenly Jesus doesn't have power, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's super interesting to me. Um, it's so, funny to me that they don't talk about the spirit at all in those things. They don't. Yeah. So they talk about one of, one of the guys says, because we know Which that is the crux of I know, the spirit. I know mm-hmm. one of the things that we, the guy talks about is because we know the apostleship has ended, which I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the we know then that prophecy has ended and we know therefore that healing is ended. So he draws it all from apostleship. That's the argument? Yeah. It just flows from the ending of apostleship. That guy. So <laughs> what's really interesting because to me- Because we know you're know. a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> we know that your wife hates you. We what? know that your kids hate you. We know that you shouldn't be pastoring a church. What's interesting is that all of these people- will will say things like uh what we would say mm-hmm. all of these people say that the purpose of the spiritual gifts was to verify that Jesus was the son of god and to whoa, whoa, whoa. they're just talking about the miraculous gifts because that's not what paul says the purpose of the spiritual gifts are true so like that's not that's not even in the text i think what we would say is that the not the gifts but the actions were to verify yeah, you see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we would say anything. We wouldn't. We wouldn't attach those to the to the true the gifts. What what we would say though is stuff like uh, what we would argue is that when Jesus was coming and healing people, the argument of the the people around him were like, "We've never seen anybody do this before," and it was to add weight. Math, Matthew eight, for yeah. example, when he healed all the people at Peter's mother in law's house or mm-hmm. Peter's house where his mother in law was sick, and then he healed everybody else. Matthew eight says, and this was to fulfill what was written in the prophet Isaiah. Yeah that he healed our diseases and bore away our infirmities. And so there were prophecies about what the Messiah would accomplish that were then done by the Messiah to prove that he was the Messiah. And that the apostles and the prophets who then carried that message forward, we talked about this with the gift of tongues before, that that when we see tongues happen in Jerusalem, and then we see it happen in Samaria, Samaria, and then we see it happen in Asia in three different types of groups of people um, for the purpose, the express purpose of showing that what happened in Jerusalem, that these were the, this was the same, the same faith, yeah. the same spirit, the same gospel. And so there was, there was some cohesion in that. The argument that these people are making is, is that it's no longer necessary. Mm-hmm. And while we have talked about before that it might not be as necessary in the United States, it's still very much necessary in other places yeah. where, where false gods, which we know are backed by demons and the power of mm-hmm. Satan, have the ability to do things that have miraculous works and, Mm -hmm. and there, then Christ comes in to distinguish between himself and these, these false gods. Mm -hmm. And, and so um, it's super interesting because they're all arguing like this was, this was to show uh, this was to show not Christ did miracles to show that he was the Christ. And then his apostles did miracles to show that they had come from Christ. (laughs) Because remember no one else was doing at this time, what the apostles were doing. One of the arguments was, okay, back up real quick. I don't, I don't understand that as a correlation. So like what we don't know, it could be, but we, what we don't know is that, um, <clears throat> that like Peter healing the dude at the steps of yeah. the temple, like did that happen by the spirit? A hundred percent. Yeah. Is that the same intention as the spiritual gifts later? Like right. what I'm saying is, is it possible? Why they are were, we correlating that to the, the gift It was of a healing. miracle. Yeah. 
that we don't know for sure that that was specifically the gift of healing. Does that make sense? Like yeah, there's nothing yeah, in yeah. the text that ties those two things together. It could be, sure. but I'm just saying like there's nothing contextually. So like why are those two things tied together? I have no problem saying, which is where we are, miracles had an intention and purpose, but why is that the same conversation as spiritual gifts? Because when Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he seems to talk about it within the body. Yeah, for the building up of the body. So why, why are we not having a biblical conversation from the text rather than like your outlandish filtered perspective of stupidity yeah. that like you're, you're putting your meaning on. It's just, it drives me nuts that people have these, I don't know why this one pisses me off so much, but it does. <laughs> I like have zero patience for this conversation, not with you guys, but like yeah, with yeah, people yeah, yeah. in general. Well, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's never from the Bible. Maybe that's it. It's like, I've heard it from both sides. Right. And, yeah. and I feel like neither one of them, neither argument is like from the scripture. And I just right. pull my, mm, you want to pull your hair. I want to pull their hair out of their <laughs> yeah, face right, and be right. like, Come like, on. I just want to, like, let's just talk about the scripture. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about experiences. Yeah. I want to talk about the scripture. Well, and one of the things that one of the guys that I was reading said is if, um, if the Holy Spirit was still doing those kinds of things that he was doing then now, he goes, we'd hear about it more. I do. Which, which is an argument that one of ours used to have, right? And then left the church and left Christ. But, um, he argued, he goes, people being healed of an infection or people being healed of TMJ or people being healed of migraines. He goes, it's not the same thing as, you know, the eyes Why of the blind being the opened. List? Yeah, I don't know. He, that was his list. So he was like, these, these aren't miracles. He goes, look, can God, can God, can we gather around people and pray for them and pray that God would heal them? Yeah, we should. And, and God can do that. And he said, but no one has the gift of healing anymore. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, why is that a distinction? Here's here's the other thing that I think has been a mistake in our churches that at least was kind of drilled into me in my early teens. There were a couple of times in my youth group that we were given spiritual gift, gifts inventory. <laughs> and, and then again, a couple of times in college. Yeah. And the implication was always that this is your gift. Yeah. And you've had it since you became a Christian and it's the gift you'll have and die with. But the language of the scripture is in 1 Corinthians 12, that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he sees fit. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I, I always wonder, because the argument is always, well, if somebody has the gift of healing, why aren't they going around healing everybody? I always wonder, like, why, why is it that if you have a gift, that it must be one that's being used every day or that the Spirit has given you every day for every moment? For that's every, the only like, gift you're going to get, or that's one, like, yeah. that's the gift you have and you'll never not. Yeah. Have another gift. So like th there have been things that God has done in my life in moments that he hasn't ever done again. Mm -hmm. And I don't sit here and go, well, I guess God's done with me, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I like, have a, I have a feeling, total feeling based on the text in first Corinthians 12, that there are like, um, because of the way he describes the body is like an eye and an ear and, mm -hmm. um, different parts of the body that, that we probably all have like bends, if you will. Like mm -hmm. there are people who have been gifted with, giving. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? But I, to your point, I don't think that that means that's exclusive. Yeah. Like someone who's been given the gift of giving generous gifts. Um, I don't think it means that if they're in a moment where they're like traveling, this is where we're at. If they're traveling to another part of the country, I'm not the country, another part of the world where, um, that would have an impact on the culture to have some kind of like miraculous yeah. thing yeah. that in that moment that couldn't happen through them. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're saying is, I, I think, I mean, this would be a fun conversation to have. I think there's probably, um, a, there's probably a gift or a set of gifts that you tend to have 
if that makes sense. I because feel, of how he describes the body. Like I don't yeah. I don't feel like the he would describe the body as these pieces and then say, but like you're an arm today sure. and you're a leg tomorrow. I could be swayed from that. But that just seems like the the emphasis Paul is giving is like you've been given a gift to like for the benefit for the, of the body. Yeah, for the benefit yeah. of the body. So just, but to your point, it doesn't mean I think that there are not gifts that are used in other scenarios, which is why I think the conversation should be had. Right. I'm not sure that the gift of healing is always the same thing as someone doing a miraculous sign of healing in some other place because the, yeah. the purpose of the gifts seems to be for the body. So when you're doing a miraculous sign that is for the purpose of people seeing you're associated with Jesus is outside the body. Right. I think it's by the spirit. I'm just not sure if it's the same conversation as spiritual gifts from like first Corinthians 12 sure. is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's a great question or a great thought. Um, which, is, which totally rips that the premise of all these, what all these people are saying, they're correlating yeah. those two things together. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure where you get that from in the text. I, I like this guy's argument. <laughs> Number one argument. You ready? The new Testament doesn't say that the gifts have ceased, but then again, it doesn't say that they won't. Wow. Mm. The solid debate right <laughs> so, there. The Bible doesn't say that they have ceased, but it also didn't say that they wouldn't. I mean, like that's his, that's the, his opening <laughs> argument. <laughs> Which oh, is, I can't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13, 10, many people will say that this means that only when Christ returns will these partial gifts of tongues and prophecies cease. This implies that the gifts continue, but that's an uncertain interpretation. Okay, offer us another interpretation. <laughs> Did Wayne Grudem write this? <laughs> that's no, what it feels right? like, man. That's oh, exactly gosh. what it feels like. All the speculation. <laughs> yeah. Constant speculation. <laughs> The New Testament speaks only of the church age, and so, they argue, the gifts that began in the church age should whoa, continue. Whoa, whoa, The New Testament only speaks of the church age, like Revelation? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, you want to you see the biggest example of the grace of God? God doesn't let me have these conversations with people. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally have zero patience for that kind of crap. Yeah. I can't, well, I can't do it. Every argument that you've read, like... I think back to my freshman year in philosophy, like my teachers shutting down these types of discussions and arguments just of how faulty they are. Yeah. There's not any thread of logic through it whatsoever. It's because we know this. And she would have, she would have been the type of person. Why? How do you know? How do you know? And right. then, as soon as you can't right. answer that question, your entire argument's ripped away from you. So yeah. Or to, to have an assumption like that. Well, we know, we know that the, uh, that the, the gift of apostleship has ceased Yeah, because we know this. Yeah, let's okay, this. let's, let's go. just put this out here in mm -hmm. the in the interwebs now. I'm saying this. Someone bring me a good case for cessationism. Mm -hmm. yeah. To Micah specific, if you got the nuts to do it, mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm going to be ungracious with you. I'm just saying like, if you're that confident in it, let's I'd, talk like, about it. I'd like to hear it. Yeah. Because yeah. I am sick and tired of these BS. Like, here's what I feel like. Ready? And this is why I asked. Apparently, it's not a new thing. But like, here's what I feel like has happened, at least in our modern day culture. There's this charismatic movement that happened in like the 60s. It mm -hmm. was started a little before that, but got real popular in the 60s. And there was a group of people who were anti the charismatic movement. And so they developed this like perspective of spiritual things that was contrary because they, to the, like this movement of, of the charismatic movement in the 60s, they didn't like it. And so they developed this contrary perspective. And that's the fight you've been seeing for the last 60 years, oh, yeah. 70 mm -hmm. years is between those two groups of people. And neither one of them are based in scripture. It's like, yeah. you know what I here when I talk to my like uber, uber, uber charismatic people, friends of mine, they're like, well, I've had these experiences. Well, I don't 
care about your experiences. I yeah. care about what the scripture says. I'm not negating your experiences. What I'm sure. saying is that can't be the basis of truth. Mm -hmm. right. The other side is like, well, no, those things don't exist. Well, where in the scripture? Well, we just know that they don't exist. Like that, they're both stupid arguments. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just sick and tired of people giving I, me these I, arguments. I always think it's really funny that the argument is like First Corinthians uh, 14 mm. was relevant to Corinth only, like on instructions of tongues and mm. prophecy. And you go, okay. And, and they say that because those gifts don't exist anymore, like that doesn't have relevance for us today. And I just wonder if, if that's the, the domino you're going to knock over. And it's the whole book. How many yeah. other things in the scripture don't have relevance anymore? It has to be the whole book. It has if that's to be. your case for 1 Corinthians 14. Yeah. At, at the least, you have to say it's the whole book of 1 Corinthians. Yeah, 1 Corinthians, you're done, right? So this guy says uh, the unique role of miracles. He says there were only three primary periods in which God worked miracles uh, through unique men. The first was Moses. The second period was during the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. The third was Christ and his apostles. And the primary purpose of the miracles has always been to establish the credibility of the one who speaks the word of God. And, um, and so he says that these were people that had direct contact with God or direct relationship with God and that, um, that now that's done. You know, it's funny. I don't disagree with the piece of that. Yeah. The piece of that I don't disagree with is that it gives validity to the person who's speaking the word of God. Right. Yeah. I don't like yeah. anything else he said. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I, yeah, he does say this. He says, Jesus' miracles were not primarily a tool for evangelism or about alleviating human suffering. Uh, they were to show that he was everything that the word of God had spoken. That totally. he was. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And then it says, Jesus gave the same power to the apostles. All of them agree that you're only apostle if you had, if you had seen Christ firsthand mm -hmm. and were commissioned by Christ for the ministry. See, I think there's a difference... I think there's a difference in the description of the apostles mm -hmm. and what we call the gift of apostleship. Well, what's super funny is the Greek word, right, is sent ones, mm -hmm. messengers. Yeah. And, and so like, I think there is a group that have been labeled the, if you will, I just, I know this isn't in the Greek, but like if you capitalize it, there is right. the capital A apostles, this group of people that they're speaking of, right. which I would actually agree with them. That group of people all had some commonalities. What I don't see in the text is how that group of people are specifically tied to what we call the gift of apostleship. Sure. Like where's the correlation between those two? Yeah. Cause that's the only way you could arrive at the place where you say there's no more apostleship. Here, mm -hmm. Here's what's interesting too. Ready? Uh, in two places in the new Testament, Paul refers to the apostles as one of the gifts that Christ gave his church. First Corinthians 12, 28, Ephesians four. You like Ephesians four a lot. I don't mind that Ephesians four, we could say that those are actually spiritual gifts. I'm just saying Ephesians four potentially is not saying that these are gifts. Right. But he's saying it's a gift that Christ gave the church, which is oh, where you stand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, no, no, no. I think that the people are the gift, not the gift. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But he's saying the apostles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the people given as apostles to the church was a gift of God to the yep, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, and listen to this. One of the gifts that Christ gave his church was the apostles, but they were a temporary gift. Uh, most agree that there are no more. Those kind of gifts suck. So, no, no, but, here, but here's what's crazy. What it's are like the, the impo uh, what are, impossible thing. Like, what are the yeah, other yeah. three things mentioned in Ephesians 4? The, the things that are not temporary. Uh, prophecy. Evangelism. Teachers. Evangelism and pastors, right? So like mm -hmm. uh, pastor, teachers, and evangelists. Yeah, why is it the apostles and, that went away? And, and so you would have to make an argument that the pastor's teachers are also gone and that the evangelists are always also gone, but no one's going to make that argument mm -mm. because people would be incredibly they uncomfortable. The, they just say the first two. Right. People would be incredibly... But this think about... This argument is so weak. Like 
Paul mentions the apostles as people given to the church as a gift, but those don't exist anymore. And he's completely ignoring the rest of the text that talks about pastors, teachers. He but, doesn't, yeah, he doesn't distinguish between any of those. But are, are those mm-hmm. gone now too? Well, and to to negate that point from Ephesians four, he said though these were given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yep. How can the apostles continue to equip if they no longer, no longer exist? Yeah. Um, he says, most or, agree that there are no more like the original apostles. No one meets the qualifications anymore, which include being an eyewitness of the life of Christ and his resurrection. You also had to be personally appointed by Christ and be able to work miracles. Here's what's interesting. I don't find that anywhere in the scripture, mm-hmm. but that is the standard for apostleship. It's not a standard. That's what I was saying. I don't have a problem saying that this was a consistent thing for what I'm calling like the 12, the apostles, no, not yeah, the 12, plus, but, but like the, yeah, the people that are like, that are like when Paul calls, well, here's what I'm saying. I'm completely hundred percent in agreement with you. Yeah. All I'm saying is I think that the, I think they're confused about the distinction between like when Paul says an apostle of Jesus Christ, I think he's basically saying what the word means. Yeah. That I'm a sent one. I'm a messenger yeah. of Jesus. I don't think that doesn't mean that Paul didn't see Jesus. What I'm saying, there's right. a specific group of people that called themselves apostles that those things were true of. Like the list that standard that they're calling yeah. a standard, the list they give was all true. I'm just saying like, you can't make that a standard you because can't. it's all true. Yeah. Be- so, because all those things exist so doesn't mean it's a standard. These people had all of those things in common, but Apollos didn't. Right. And he's called an apostle. Right. Like by Paul. Right. And, and Barnabas didn't, as far as we know. But he's called an apostle. Right. So, so what's weird is people go, well, all the apostles had this in common, which first of all, they didn't. And then people go, and because. Oh, you, you're right. Just to be clear, you're actually, see, they would, they would disagree with you on calling Apollos and Barnabas apostles because they didn't fit the list. Right. So but, you're, you're actually being all inclusive of, of the term apostle. Of the, ter- of the way Paul uses the term apostle. Yes. So what they do is they limit it to 13 people. Mm-hmm. They limit it to the 11, the addition of Matthias, and they limit it to Paul. So they say these 13 were the original apostles. I, yes. And I, so here's my point being, my point being that then they, they, like what you just said, they take what is common among those 13 and say, that must be the standard for being an apostle, even though the Bible never applies that standard Correct. to an apostle. Yep. That's yep. the problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the only distinction I'm making is I, I think there is something special about that group in terms of what they experienced. Yes. Apart from the description of being an apostle. Yeah. So here's what yeah. I'm saying. Use whatever term you want to use for that group of guys. For those 13. For those 13, use whatever term you yeah. want to use. There's something special about that group that nobody else had after that. Where my distinction is from where those, what these guys are saying is that I, I can't find anywhere in the text that says that those guys exclusively are the apostles. Right. And problematically, because what they do, right, is they say that these 13 people are the apostles. And we would argue, I think you're, I think it's a fair point that you make. There was something very unique about these 13, mm-hmm. right? But remember, Matthias was one of two guys put up to replace Judas. So yeah. that dude was also with Christ from baptism forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that dude had the same kind of thing, but he was, they, they were commissioned differently, we would argue. Yeah. The, the problem is the application of the term apostle to that. Mm-hmm. Because Paul, in talking about himself as an apostle, also includes Barnabas and Apollos. And so from Paul's estimation, there were at least two other guys who were apostles that yeah. don't fit in with most of these people's view on what an apostle is. Yeah. And, and so the problem gets when you start talking about them 
as apostles rather than, hey, these 13 guys had... Yeah, it's a confusion of terms in my mind. Like, yeah. I don't have, again, I don't have a problem saying there was something special about those 13 guys. Right. I have a problem saying that those 13 were the only, if you will, connected to the term apostle because that doesn't happen in the text anywhere. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no exclusionary term given to those guys in terms of apostle. It's just weird to me... It's weird to me that you make these leaps and jumps. I know. It's, yeah. it's a whole bunch of assumptions. So what we do is we say the 12 and Paul are called apostles in the Bible. True story. We say the 12 plus Paul had gifts of healing, had miraculous abilities. They, all saw Jesus. They all saw Jesus. They all spoke in tongues. And then what we do is we extrapolate from that and say, that's the requirement for being an apostle. Ignoring the, the fact that there were pos- apostles listed outside that group not the gift of apostle, straight up apostles listed outside that group yep. that didn't, based on anything we can see in the text, have those same giftings. Right. Yep. And, and why is, why again, why are we correlating what those 13 guys had to a gift? Right. Yeah. Just from the text. Just from the text. I'm not no. saying it's not. I'm just curious from the right. text why we would say that it is. Yeah. And and so they people have made an assumption about apostleship from these 13, and you can't do that because, yeah. because there, there are at least two men that disprove that. Yeah. in the scripture and that has to be brought into the conversation mm-hmm. have you and, heard oh good i was saying and the ephesians 4 thing is mind-blowing to me like yeah. that you separate the the list of those four those four yeah people right? given to the church why yeah. is it that the first two don't exist anymore the last two do just based on the text like tell me just assumptions yeah yeah have you heard the language with apostleship the office of apostleship versus the gift of apostleship have you yes. heard that at all? okay yeah, yeah. yeah. the way that was explained to me was a lot of what we're saying now but i don't know how commonplace that term is like there seems to be something different about this group um while they they share in the gift of apostleship, that doesn't mean there's a list of characteristics that we can say is exactly what apostleship yeah. looks like because the gift of apostleship today is rooted in being a messenger with the mission, however, right, whatever right. the Greek kind of translates to there. So like um, that gift of apostleship may look different executed now than then, but they held the office of apostleship where now there's no more office of apostleship. Right. Because so like, I don't know how commonplace that language is, but I was taught that um, in dividing the two. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, and this guy argues that, yeah, we divide, we, we make a division between the apostles and the Christians now. And, but he says that the people who believe, the people who are not cessationists, he argues, don't believe that there's anybody like the original 13. So they also believe the gift of apostleship is dead. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it feels a little bit to me like the conversation about deacons. Yeah. Like silly. people don't realize that like the word deacon transliterated in the word servant translated is the same thing we just like the editors have chosen to do it differently and right. so like they're getting confused over over terms be- right. based on the translation and, and transliteration and the editors choosing to capitalize it in one place and not capitalize it in right. another right so i think um, that's what it's almost like they have an idea of what they want to believe therefore they put that meaning on the text and yeah I, here's what i'm saying i'm not even saying we're 100 percent. well we're not even making a stance actually <laughs> yes we're just saying like I just want to say what the text is saying. And I'm having a yeah. really, really, mm, that's too far. There's no evidence I've seen or heard from any of these ridiculous cases that, that those things have, those ceased. Gifts have ceased. Yeah. We, we cannot, based on what the Bible teach teaches, we cannot at this point be cessationist. No, no. not even close. That's why I'm saying I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for that one person out there who listens to this later is like, Oh, so I got you, Micah. It, Please, please, like, help me feel better about your position. If someone could show us from the text, definitively, mm-hmm. that these things have ceased, 
then tomorrow we've changed our minds yeah. and, mm-hmm. and we'll do another podcast. The, I'll be gracious. I can just tell you right now, I don't have any patience for it. So the, it better be good. The <laughs> problem is that most of the arguments start like this, since we know the apostle, the yeah. gift of apostles. There, there was a, a paper that I read years ago. This is a can of worms, but it was, um, since we know Jesus bore the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the paper was, it means Jesus didn't die for everybody. He only died for those who would be saved. Mm-hmm. But it started with the premise that they don't even make an effort to prove from the scripture. Exactly. Well, and, we just know it. Yeah. And, and so it's very frustrating to me when an argument starts that way. Mm-hmm. And so the, this guy, he says this. Uh, it's back, not an argument. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> statement, uh, Ephesians yeah. 2.20, which we just looked at a moment ago, Ephesians 2.20. He says, the foundational nature of the New Testament um, and apostles and prophets, the New Testament identifies the apostles and prophets as the foundation of the church, Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. In the context, it's clear that Paul is referring here not to the Old Testament prophets, but New Testament prophets. Once the apostles and prophets finish their role in laying the foundation of the church, their gifts are done. Wait, which prophets? But that's the thing, right? Like which prophets are they talking about? They've only made a case for the apostles they believe, but which prophets are they talking about? I know, about? right? And And what's really interesting is it's not clear from the text he's only talking about New Testament. If you if you know the Bible at all, like, uh, I also don't, it's funny. Cause I don't, there are parts of their arguments. I don't disagree with. Like, I think that prophecy could still be considered what, what preaching. some people do. Some people do in preaching. I think mm-hmm. some people, um, this is totally me. I think some people are actually teachers and some people are actually prophets. Yeah. Mm. I think when you preach, I think you're a teacher. Sure. I think when I preach, I'm more of a prophet yeah. and that might be a weird nuanced distinction, but I think that that's like a, I don't, I don't disagree with them that like the preaching of the word is exactly the same thing. The prophets did in the old Testament. You're proclaiming what the word of God says. Yeah. And or what God has said. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's even some nuanced things about prophets in the new Testament where like, uh, I forget who it mentions in, in acts, but it was saying that they went and being prophets themselves, they spoke at length to the people and encouraged them and admonished them. And so that Mm -hmm. there, there was, it identifies them as prophets who encourage and admonish the people, yeah. you know, and like you're challenging them and encouraging them to in the things of God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's weird to me that like back to the apostles thing, um, they've made a case for why they think the apostles are the 13 and that they haven't been passive, but like why, who, who are the prophets in your stance? Like here's, here's, this is beautiful too. Uh, after the new Testament era, we see the miraculous gifts cease. Okay. John, uh, Chris, Chrysostom or something like that, and Augustine speak of their ceasing. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Spurgeon, and B.B. Warfield all agree that the gifts ended after the first century and have been given only to confirm the message when it appeared. Okay, so a couple of things. All of these people agreed it ended at the end of the first century, which is significantly after Christ, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so why that long, you know, why that long? Was it when all of these guys were dead, then it finished or whatever. And here's, here's what's beautiful about this argument. You mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people who say, they all say it ended after the first century. I promise you in less than five minutes, we could find plenty of people who say that it didn't throughout history. Mm -hmm. And, And so to say that some other people have said this. Well, there's one consistency to all those guys. Yeah. Go. They all have a reform bent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I don't know about B.B. Warfield, but the rest of them for sure do. Yeah. But it's just, it's funny to me that 
other people have said this, so it must be true. If that, I think this you is, have to recognize that that's a weak argument. Okay, this is actually not that dissimilar from the conversation we had last podcast about the Lord's Supper. Mm. What people believe about the Lord's Supper is because that's how it's always been said. Mm. Yeah. So when you're in a culture where people have just said this, yeah. um, that's just what you believe. You're given you're given debates and arguments. I mean, even in the conversation between like Calvinism and Arminianism, what I run off run into often is that people will give me, they'll just regurgitate what they've heard from other people. Mm-hmm. It's not their take from the text. I think it's yeah. the same thing here. It's like, well, I've heard that these things have ceased because these, these great people have said it for a long time. Yeah. You know, but I also want to know, like, do we take, do we take every aspect of what those guys do and say, well, John Calvin, John used Calvin to killed people. Like kill he, people. he killed people. Spurgeon smoked all the time. Sorry, Pierce. Um, Spurgeon didn't believe uh, in dreams or visions anymore. Right, it was indigestion. Right. I mean, like there's there's yeah. so many things. Like, <laughs> I mean, Luther drank a lot because <laughs> he has that letter he sent to his wife when he was at that pastor's conference for a long, for months. He was like, "I need you to send me some of your homemade beer right now. Or I'm gonna die." Like that's such a fun. <laughs> that's awesome. So like, there's, I I, I know that that's a weak statement i'm just saying like to be cons- if you're going to put that much weight in your position just because some guys have said it then i feel like you would be a little more apt to take more of the things that they did and say these things are yeah like like important things to to do and why does that have more weight than the scripture right oh well he's going to talk about that so listen to this you ready no here's his next point <laughs> i'm not ready <laughs> the sufficiency of scripture the spirit speaks only in and through the inspired word He doesn't call and direct his people through subjective messages and modern day bestsellers. His word is external to us and objective. That's his, that's one of his arguments against spiritual gifts. Yeah. He just said like all the things I just gave a premise for, about all these other people. I know. Don't have any weight. Yeah. His very next point is he only speaks through the scripture. So his, (laughs) his point is look at what these other guys said. And then his very next point is, but God only speaks through the scripture. It's not angered him. Yeah. And and then (laughs) I got to stop talking. I'm about to like get to to say something. Listen, listen to the last one. You ready? Uh, And this is stupid because we agree with this, Mm. but it's stupid that this is his argument for cessationism. You ready? The new Testament governed miraculous gifts. Whenever the New Testament gifts of tongues was to be practiced, there were specific rules that were to be followed. There was to be order and there was to be structure and there was to be an interpreter. Paul also lays down rules for prophets and prophecy. Tragically, most charismatics today disregard these commands, showing it's not of the spirit, but of the flesh. So because some people don't operate in it according to, like, that would be saying like, well, you didn't honor God in this thing, so you don't know God. Yeah. Like (laughs) his argument for the reason that they've ceased is that there are people who don't handle it biblically. Mm-hmm. Like, my goodness, I know a lot of people wow. who don't handle marriage biblically. Does that yeah. mean mar- the institution of marriage has ceased? Mm-hmm. It does. That is a terrible <laughs> argument. That might be a fair statement. But that's a stupid argument. It's mm-hmm. so weak. That's why I feel like the, the, this is just a kickback. Like, they don't mm-hmm. like what has happened with, like, like tongues and miraculous, which we were supposed to about, talk about tongues more, I think is what we talked about. But, mm-hmm. like, we can do that later. We can do another episode. I feel like this was too good on. Yeah, not too good. It was too important to have a. Well, it's not good. I'm going to hate this episode forever. The, <laughs> the reason the reason that we didn't we don't have to talk about tongues and healings is because like the argument that the people are giving for those things ceasing yeah. are, are two things, right? That the word of God has now come in its completion, so those things have ceased, and the gift of apostleship doesn't exist anymore, so those things have ceased. And I think more importantly than us talking about tongues or prophecy is talking about the arguments against those why. things, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which are dumb arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bring us a better argument. Is it 
Do you guys? Dumb? Do, yes, it is very dumb. Do you guys think that it has anything to do with, um, like, the line of thinking we discussed a while back of like, well, I still sin, therefore sin still has power or whatever. So like, you think about, well, I haven't seen the gifts of tongues, so therefore it can't exist. And then they just have these, they just flesh out these arguments that are terrible out of a lack of experience, which we've already said this entire podcast, we can't base, uh, we can't shape biblical truth off of our own experiences. But you think it's starting from a place of like, I don't want to say innocent, but like just, well, I haven't seen that. And so it must have ceased. Oh, okay. Here's where it says it ceased. Look, and then they're going into it with a preconceived notion of it's I don't know. done. I, I still think it's taught. Oh, I don't know how someone arrives at that on their, like if you're just reading through the scripture without any concept of whether gifts have ceased or not ceased. I don't, That's true, I don't yeah. know how you arrive at that. Yeah. Right. I don't know how you, like, I don't know how you would go, you know, I've never seen someone speak in tongues. If you're just, again, no context of ceasing or not ceasing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you read through the scripture, get to first Corinthians and you're like, I've never seen someone speaking in tongues. It must not exist anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you would come to that. I, it's I've never seen without being taught. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was, I was thinking about a buddy of mine and I know that I've like London and France, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were we were in line at at uh, McDonald's at one day, and he goes and he said he says, "Well, um, we know we know that nobody speaks in tongues." And then he ordered his food, and I was like, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, we know it doesn't happen. Like these types of these type of miraculous gifts, they don't happen." And and I was like, "Why?" And he's like, "Well, tell me the last time you saw it." And that was his whole argument. And why was, do they call miraculous gifts? Why do they call them tongues miraculous gifts? <laughs> Which I think is that there, implies is there a too. Con- is, is there a text that? Am I missing a text that calls no. that miraculous gifts? Yeah, so that, yeah. that well, shows they, they too. They call them miraculous or charismatic, but the, the problem is that every single gift listed in 1 Corinthians 12 is called charismatic. Right. Because the Greek word, the charisma, is the gift. Is the gift right. And it speaks to all of those. The only thing mm-hmm. I can think of distinction, sorry, you can go back to this. So right. people yeah. are, yeah. Like, are defining it based off of the charismatic I movement, not but there's charismatic. Earlier, in, he yeah. says there's manifestations of the Spirit. That's, that's yeah. different than what they're calling miraculous, though. I just I don't know so, why yeah. you get to miraculous. Anyway, yeah. sorry. No, I was going to say, like, what my, that's the reason why I asked that question. Just like, he seemed, he seemed like somebody who was innocently just going through the scripture. But if, since he already had language to it, there was outside influence. You heard that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You had to, you don't arrive at that just by reading the text. Exactly. Yeah. So, and which is my issue. I would have less of an issue. Like, that's what I was saying earlier. It's not a good argument, but like, Mm -hmm. I would have, it would make sense to me if someone, if someone came to us um, with, with Ephesians, not Ephesians, uh, what is it about the ceased? Um, the text about being oh, the about first when the perfect comes, these things will cease. First Corinthians thirteen. It makes it would make sense to me if someone's reading that and goes, "Hey, does this mean that these gifts have ceased?" Yeah, because you're actually asking a text or a question from the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather than just like that would make sense yeah. to me as a question, even though I feel like that's a simple answer. Yeah, Contextually, yeah. it's obvious that it's Jesus. Has um, to be, but but like that makes sense to me as far as a question. Like yeah. you, I think you could arrive at that question from reading the text. You can't arrive at. The saying like, well, tongues, so, tongues have yeah. ceased. What, what, we know people, what people ignore about this, right, is when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And they say, they say, see the perfect, the scripture has come. And it says, when I was a child, no one keeps going. No one. No one. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, we see it as a mirror dimly. But then there's, there's an anchor point. What's the then? When the perfect comes, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. It does, yeah. What um, so, so with the perfect coming, you know fully. And I just got to tell you, after 28 years of reading the Bible, I don't feel like I know fully. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, maybe I'm missing yeah. something, you know, but like, 
when Christ comes, then I believe I will know fully. I just, and it seems too within the context as well. And I, I may be stretching. I, this could just be what I was taught that like, this is also, this also faith made sight. This is him bringing up faith and hope will cease because our faith is made sight and our hope is made true because Christ has returned. And so therefore love is the greatest of these because it continues. Love is eternal. Well, love is forever. And I could, I think you could make a case from Ephesians four that actually there's no need to equip the saints for the work of the ministry anymore when Jesus comes. Cause he says, yeah, is equip the saints for the work of the ministry basically until we all become like the mature man or basically yeah. if you yeah. put it another way, like the, the bride ready for the groom, like exactly. when Jesus comes, there's no need for us to function in the same way that first oh, Corinthians 12 was talking about anymore yeah. mm -hmm. because we are now one with the head, if you will, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in physical force. So like, no, 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 that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what, what it? it is. It's Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians 4.13, until we attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Flip back over to 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Man. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Yeah. So ah, it's exactly what using Paul's yeah. language, it's the return of Christ. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty it's clear. Gotta be. How yeah, it's can it be clear. anything other than that? It's, yeah, I wish it's yeah. really clear. I, I actually would have, I would have less of a hard time with, I'd still have a really hard time. It'd be less of a hard time with the stance of cessationism if they only said prophecies, tongues, and knowledge have ceased. Yeah. From 1 Corinthians 17. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that. But like, if that's, if they gave that list and At said- At least they're basing it there. But now once you include a bunch of other stuff, like, okay, apostleship's not in there, yeah. which is, sounds like it's the premise for a lot of those conversations. Yeah. That, those would be, so like mm -hmm. um, miracles isn't in there. Like yeah. there's all these things that aren't in there in that list of those three first Corinthians 13. So there's just, right. too, there's too many. Well, I'm Who, not even gonna say there's too many holes. Cause there's no, there's no, it's a giant hole. It, 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 it is a hole. Yeah. They haven't made a stance. <laughs> no, yeah, there's really. no clear. Yeah, there, the there, whole, there isn't a biblical thing. stance. I've never said this before, but I feel like this might be one of the dumbest things I've ever had a conversation about with people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It feels so. No one's going to send me any simple. No. Uh, yeah. Well, we already talked about spiritual gifts on another. Podcast, They're going to send so. you questions. Yeah, that's okay. They're not going to send me questions for this episode. We're forwarding every question to Micah. To Micah, <laughs> please. If you email it to me, I'll never see it. That's true. Email or Facebook. What's Facebook? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want like so bad. Well, I want someone. I want someone to get like up in arms and and come at me with a good stance. And I don't understand like. And I don't know why there would be up in arms. Why be pissed about that? That's you know? the thing too. Like that's it feels so. Please let that happen. I guess because it's rooted in division. You had brought up this stuff about the sixties, kind of this this split. I guess because it's rooted in division. It's just people are so seem so angry about it. Um, and I think that if we if we did have a, a, the unif or if we lived out the unifying factor of what we have in Jesus and we say, man, how beautiful is it that God has blessed us, his people with the means to grow with the greens to learn with the means to be encouraged with the means to, uh, to have something where we're not stagnant here. And then we're, we're reaching towards what the, the, the language in Ephesians, this mature man, we're reaching towards this point of maturity. And then we get to see Jesus face to face. So like, thank God that like, we're not alone here and now. Like, yeah, I think uh, that I think you actually hit it on the head. Is what I think. The mm -hmm. tension now comes from people like Benny Hinn doing the stuff they do, and you're like, okay, this is outrageous. Yeah, sure. And so they uh, they lump that in with the text. Yeah, yeah. and can't. it's not that. Like that's something completely. It's it's ridiculous and ludicrous. It's something yeah. completely probably, probably different. demonic. Probably you probably, watch yeah. you watch TBN and a lot of these people on like yeah you, those those are not the spiritual gifts we're talking about here. Like no. it's they're not. 
at all probably associated with the spirit. That's a good yeah. point is that when people have this conversation, they bring in examples that are not done according to scripture. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying earlier. Like both yeah. sides are freaking idiots. Like they never bring the scripture. Well, they try to, but like it's a filtered perspective. Yeah. And when I ask a question, then they just get all pissy and walk away. And yeah. then they always say that I'm an a-hole. And <laughs> when I wonder too, blood in you. I don't, I just don't, yeah. I think that's maybe the distinction too with like, I, that you're half Filipino? I'm half Filipino. Yeah, that I'm is the distinction. But no, like I think I think I have, there are things like this that really get under my skin because it is such a, seems to be like such an obvious deviation from the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like people hold on to it so tightly. Yeah. And I have such a desire to, to, to admonish and encourage people to yeah. live according to who we are in Christ, to be founded in the scriptures, like to be people who say, I want my life to glorify Jesus. And you're holding on to things that, aren't even founded in the scriptures so tightly. Do you remember that clip of the um, Scottish dude walking into John MacArthur's church oh, in the yeah. middle of the service? And he's like, mm-hmm. John MacArthur, your, your <laughs> theology of cessationism. And I'm like, everybody's like upset that he walked in. And there's part of me that's like, that's call th- don't disagree with this guy. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't part of go, me wishes I, I could talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't go in in the middle of a service like that, but I don't yeah. disagree with what he's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I bet I disagree with him on a lot of theology, but I disagree with John MacArthur on a lot of theology too. Yeah. That the yeah, goal yeah. is not to agree with each other. The goal is to equip each other or the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I feel like that maybe is the big fault is that we, as those four people who have been gifted to the church, oftentimes don't function in the role of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We're so concerned mm-hmm. about our theological stances yeah. that we stop equipping people for yeah, the work of the ministry. I know, right? Like if, I don't know. I know we can go in I thought you said you did know right. I know right. And then I said, I don't know right. I know. Um, wow. I just think like the people that are arguing, there's so, you're right. There's so much efforts towards the argument. And if there's not a lot of argument or not a lot of effort seeming to be put towards living out your stance, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So like, like, why do you care so much? Yeah. Why is this such a big deal to you to say that these things have ceased? I know, right? Why, yeah. Are, I, why? People, are people worried that it's heretical? I don't, I don't, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Yeah, I don't either. So tell us, people, <laughs> whenever you're bringing those questions to Micah and your, your stance towards Micah, please let us know. Let us know why, why it's such a, I don't know, firm foundation. It's such a sticking point for people. Probably the better way to Why don't say, you say it. I'll get a phone call every day now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Awesome. <laughs> Next episode, I'll be like, please stop calling. Please stop. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> uh, so, simpler view of cessationism. It sucks. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Not like that. Nah. nah. Let's, we need to allow um, our view, either side of that coin, we need it to be shaped by scripture. Yeah and not come at the scripture with bias. Mm-hmm. What if we said a simpler view of cessationism is... Prove it. Well, <laughs> a, a simpler view of... Let's take cessationism out. What about a simpler view of the conversation of gifts needs to be founded in scripture? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have no problem if someone says, I'm uncomfortable with how these things associated with spiritual gifts are used now by people who proclaim to be followers yeah. of Jesus. That's yeah. a different conversation. And we probably agree with them most uh-huh. of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, and yeah, and I'm, and I'm completely cool with like people being like, I don't really understand how this works. I've never seen this. I've never seen this. I don't really understand how Have it works. that conversation. Have that yeah. conversation. So like, I think what people tend to do is they'll say on like on the more innocent side of the spectrum, even though it's still completely wrong. 
on the on the more innocent side of the spectrum is like I've never seen this happen. Here's how I imagine it happening, or I don't imagine it happening. I think the same thing goes like spiritual warfare, like because mm -hmm. people haven't seen or felt certain things described in the scripture, they begin to fantas like fantasize or um, make up worlds surrounding around spiritual warfare. Which again, to the point you just made a second ago, like let's not go off our own off our own thought or, and let experience or lack of experience shape the situation. Let yeah. the scripture let the scripture shape the way you understand these things. And if there's places where you feel like it's um, where your understanding isn't 100% clear, don't add to it. Just lean upon what we do know. Lean upon right. what we have from the text. Absolutely. Yeah, check your experiences to the scripture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know who I like to check? Stephen. <laughs> we are at the Garden Audio with Stephen, with the Vanilla Man, Mr. Hot Cheeto himself. Uh, man, looks good in here, huh? Mm -hmm. Go, go. Way to go, Kinsey. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> go give Stephen a follow at the Garden Audio. You'll see, you can go see his family. He's got, he shares pictures of his family. He shares pictures of gear, shares pictures of updates and stuff like that. Um, and like I've said a few times on here, if you're ever curious about uh, what gear we use and some stuff like that, and if you're ever wanting to start a podcast, uh, there's been a few people I've known that I've directed to Stephen. Like, hey, he's done a ton of research. He's, 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 uh, he uses very specific equipment, very specific um, audio engineering stuff. So reach out to him. Learn about I don't know the details, but talk to him about it. <laughs> uh, while you're over there on social media, follow and uh, or like at Simpler Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And that's a great place, place to reach out to us. It's also a great place to share clips, to share memes, to share stuff like that. Um, it's we. That's it's a great. It's, well, it's we. It's a great way to connect to us. Uh, share your topics. Share your thoughts. Again, go find go find us on social media and say this is for Micah, and then give your <laughs> argument for cessationism. Um, but 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 yeah, if you guys ever have a conversation, you guys want to reach out to us, comment, message, all that fun stuff. And as always, keep crisis core. What could be simpler than that? See y'all next week. Bye.